change on this. Okay. We're a growing family. Oh, my voice lifted then. Did you see that? I went from that to that. We're a growing family, and um, we've got plans of how to keep growing. So as you've been seeing the last few weeks, we're growing in number regularly, and all of our congregations are just seeing new people coming in saved and we've got plans we've actually got a meeting this afternoon to talk about how we make room for growth so stay with us september we've got some exciting plans coming but we don't want to stop growing this is people coming to jesus being discipled so just to give you assurance we have got some plans of how we're going to keep on growing so um watch this space amen everybody doing good Listen, I wanted to do something a little bit different today. Is that okay? I've been preaching over the last three weeks about the thought of pursuit. And we based it off of the, independent, the Declaration of Independence, where it says in that um, that every person has a God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we've been in a series looking at those three things, how every person, consciously or subconsciously, pursues happiness. Uh, pursues life, pursues liberty or freedom. The problem is that often they pursue those three things in places that can't give them to them, where actually happiness, liberty, and life, true happiness, liberty, and life are found in one place, aren't they? And that's in Jesus Christ, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, there's other things that people are in pursuit of often, and that can be wisdom. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. And also the pursuit of love. There was a band called Foreigner that wrote a song called I Want to Know What Love Is. And even Christians today, I find so many of them in pursuit of love because they've never discovered the love of God in a way that's hit their life. But I want to do something a little bit different today and something that makes me and my family a little bit vulnerable, if that's okay. And I want to talk about the pursuit of breakthrough that that's a pursuit that we all find ourselves on at one time or another, right? If you don't, let us know your secrets, all right? But sometimes without warning, this thing called life can really throw some curveballs at you, right? In health, in relationships. And sometimes every one of us have this in common. We can find ourselves in a moment where we need a breakthrough. And we come to God and we say, God, we need you to turn this around. And sometimes we kind of wish that it would happen instantly, right? But we say, God, I need this breakthrough. And then there's a knock at the door and there's a spiritual postman and says, here's that breakthrough you ordered. But the reality is often you start a journey to breakthrough. And a journey that involves being prayerful, a journey that involves Believe in God when everything sometimes looks impossible. But that journey will always lead you to a testimony. And I want to share a testimony with you today. But first I want to talk to you about the journey it took to get there, if that's okay. Because if you're in need of a breakthrough, God is the God of the breakthrough. And I'm here, we're here, my wife, Gabby, who's over from America visiting... Good to have you with us, Gabs, to talk about that journey and to say to you, hold on, don't give up, don't quit, even though it seems like it's taken a long time, God is true to his promises, amen. 
Now, I want to welcome Gina and Gabby to come and join me. Now, some of you have never met Gabby. I think I'm going to put you there, Gina, Gabby on the end, if that's okay. Now, you know, Pastor Gina, this is Gabby. We've got five kiddies um, that have grown up, and uh, three of them live in America, two of them still live with us. This is our middle child called Gabby, and Gabby's um, studying worship in Alabama at a worship school. She just finished her first year. It's going to be going into a second year. Now, I want to be vulnerable with you today um, and talk about a journey that we went through as a family, if that's okay. Because I think sometimes people look at pastors or people on the stage and think, oh, everything's all right from them. It's just me that has to go through stuff, right? Sometimes you can look at pastors, even some of your celebrity preachers that you watch on YouTube, and you can think, oh, it's all right for them. I bet they never get a problem. I bet they never get a moment where they need a breakthrough. I want to say you're wrong, but everyone that lives this very real life, even though we're trusting God, has moments where you just need God to do something desperately. And we want to say to you, it's okay, you're not alone. Everyone goes through mo moments that can seem like mountaintop, right? Other times, moments that feel like valleys and sometimes wildernesses. Don't ever think that pastors or leaders in church don't have those moments. We want to tell you about a moment we had, and many of you would not be aware of this, but it was a moment that put us on a journey that lasted five to six years. And it was a journey that involved a mental health condition that really came to shut Gabby down, called OCD, and allergies linked to that. And we just want to be honest, if that's okay, what that journey was like, to bring us to a moment at the end when we tell you that God turned everything around. God healed everything. God gave back more than we imagined he would. But I want to say that this was a journey, a journey that involved a mental health condition that got very, very serious and very, very real and didn't last two weeks. It was five to six years. But we want to give hope to you today that God comes through, but don't ever stop your pursuit of breakthrough. So I'm going to hand over to you, Gina, just to lay some background of where we found ourselves. Okay. Um, well, first, let me just say that today, this is just a dream come true for me because during that season, I did not see this day. <laughs> you know, um, during the, when you're going through it, it's hard to see that you will ever come out the other side. And if you do come out the other side, you think, what is going to come out? <laughs> you know, like, what am I going to be like at the end of this? You know, after I've been through, you know, you feel like the devil's just, you know, just tore you apart. But um, so today is an absolute dream come true, and um, I just thank God for that anyway. But um, when Gabby was about 12 or 13 years old, you know, I began to see, we'd had some things happen in our life. Um, we lost a really good friend. Um, they passed away, and that really hit our family hard. Um, and, um, you know, I think that that age anyway is a, is a, a you know, a growing up sort of stage in life where lots of hormones are going through you and um, and there's just a lot happening physically and then a lot was happening emotionally and I, I saw a lot of anxieties and fears really coming to the surface in her life 
Um, and, um, but not just, just and, and, and we've talked about this, everything we're sharing is, is good with Gabby for me to share. I'm not, I'm not spilling family secrets that she's gonna go home later and be like, why did you say that? At least I hope not anyway, right? <laughs> um, but I saw these really deep anxieties, really deep fears. They weren't just small and they seemed to be growing on a daily basis and getting more intense. Um, but then also with that, I noticed a lot of behaviors that were very odd. Um, associated with these, um, well, I didn't know they were associated with these anxieties and fears, but a lot of behaviors um, that were um, troubling to me, and as a parent, when you watch your child and they're doing something that is unusual and um, a little scary and you're not sure what's going on, sometimes as a parent you don't like to draw attention to it because you think this this will just go away if I don't, you know, draw attention to this behavior. But um, so I never said anything. I was just observing and I was watching. Um, uh, but I began to see these things, but, and then things began to progress even more, and I saw a lot of unhappiness in Gabby. Um, just a very unhappy child, just never smiling, always pale, always um, not sleeping well. Um, and then it, it progressed even further into where I felt she was in a, in a state of torment, like mental torment, like she was bothered by the things that were her anxieties and her fears. They got so bad. Um, and, and I could see in her that she was trying not to lose the will to live, but we had some honest conversations, and um, she would say things to me that were very honest, and, and um, you know, that she was saying that, that she was losing the will to live, and it was getting harder to hang on, and harder not to think thoughts of, of suicide, and, um, and how to just escape this, because when the battle is inside you, you there is nowhere you can go to get away from, from it. And I could see that in her, and as a parent, as parents, we were watching this, and it was, it was tearing us apart, because you wanna do everything you can do to make your child happy, um, to to make them feel uh, okay in their own skin, you know, so that they're, they're not uh, struggling. Um, so I did seek, of course, obviously, just so you know, through this whole thing, I'd been praying. You pr I bring everything to God. Andy brings everything to God. And we'd been praying a lot. But it got to the point where um, I was seeing this thing progress and, and change her personality. And she wasn't quite her, well, not, she just wasn't herself anymore. Um, also, just, just to say, when she was three, she'd been diagnosed with some terrible allergies, like really bad allergies, the kind that you have to carry EpiPens around. Um, and there were specific things initially that she was allergic to, but that list kind of began to grow as she got older. And these were really dangerous allergies. They were life-threatening. So that even if, let's say, uh, sh she had some of the, or somebody was eating a food with a little bit of the oil of this particular allergen on them, and they were to touch her with it, it would begin the whole process of, I don't know if you know this terminology, anaphylaxis, which is everything shutting down, the, the swelling up of all your airways, and you just stop breathing, and eventually go into cardiac arrest and die. So this was looming over her, because EpiPens only, just so you know, when you think, well, just bring an EpiPen, an EpiPen only buys you time. You have about 15 minutes per EpiPen to get to a hospital so that they can save your life. Um, 
So she had this looming over her. And because of this, it also was part of what she was going through and the anxieties, which seemed to be heightened. So there were things in her life she couldn't eat and she couldn't socialize in the way she wanted to um, because there was these fears. And... Um, they, they were becoming too much. So we did seek medical help. Um, we went to our GP, um, who then put us on to the children's mental health um, people of Portsmouth. And I have to say, the mental health people and our GP were absolutely wonderful. They were some of the most caring and sensitive people, the majority of them, <laughs> and, um, and really lovely and really wanted to see... Um, can I just cut Gabby in on that? Gabby, get well. Listen, you need to know from the stage that we're good with people getting help when there's emotional um, conditions that are affecting them. But I heard it said so well by Rick Warren. He said, if your leg's hurting, you go see a doctor because your leg's hurting. If your arm's hurting or your back's hurting. When somebody's hurting inside in a place that can't be seen, you need to know that our stand as a church is we're good with people really seeking help to see um, victory in that situation. We're not scared at Family Church to talk about um, things that evolve um, mental attack or emotional attack on people's lives. So it's good that you know that because sometimes you can be in churches and they're like, you don't need those doctors. No, we're not like that. I think sometimes we experienced in that time we needed everything that God could do but all the help that was available by experts in that too. So I just think it's good that we underline here from Family Church that we understand when people go through mental and emotional conditions and we validate just as we would somebody going to a doctor for physical help, for them seeking help in that area. And um, sh they put her on quite heavy medications. Um, uh, she was also in the care of a psychologist and a psychiatrist, both of whom were, were really wonderful people, really, really helpful, really very reassuring as well. And um, really, um, but they did say that, uh, and they did diagnose her, and she had OCD. Um, a lot of you know OCD to be, oh, that's the hand-washing uh, illness, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. You know, when somebody is afraid that, you know, of germs, so they're constantly washing their hands to, to the point of like red raw and, and, you know, they're bleeding and chapped, but they still have to wash their hands. Gabby never had that. But OCD plays out in many different ways. And whatever it's, it's, Whatever way that person is wired, whatever is their greatest fears, whatever is their greatest concerns, it seems to latch on to those things in a person's life, and uh, whatever those things are, and um, causes irrational fears, and also OCD, um, I did so much reading on this when, when we were going through it, it's actually known also as the doubting disease, which is because you know the truth, Okay, I don't, whatever's on my hands, I've washed my hands, they're clean, I know they're clean. But you doubt, there's this doubt nagging at the back of your mind that if you do not wash them again, uh, then, then that thing or whatever, you don't quite know what's going to happen, but you have to do it. It's the compulsion that follows. And there were so many, not the hand washing one, but other compulsions in her life. And, and OCD is so uh, evil in its way is that 
the, the, the compulsion has to be carried out, and it has to be carried out in such a way that if you don't feel you got it right, you have to do it again until you do get it right. And then again and again and again. And it's just, it's just so evil and so time-consuming um, and so life-consuming. And that's what I began to see in Gabby's life. Um, and it got to the point where the um, things were getting really coming to a head. And I was feeling so burnt out and so hopeless and so sad. And I'd s sought help in so many places, um, <laughs> the internet and um, anything. I, I was willing to just go anywhere to anyone who had any little bit of any kind of hope to give me because it was, it was such a struggle watching her suffer. Um, and and it was it was really awful. And the psychologist, um, the psychiatrist, was gearing up then toward um, feeling she needed to be hospitalized because it was affecting the way she was eating, the way she was sleeping, and just the thinking was um, you know it, it was very difficult and very hard for her yeah, to. We don't want to, to we don't want to bring any embarrassment to Gabby about certain specifics, except to say it got as bad as it could get. It, it did, um, yeah. And I remember sitting in a hospital with a doctor saying, we're gonna need to take her away now. And that was the moment I fell on my knees and cried and called out to God like I'd never had before. Um, it came to the point of, we realized, I remember sitting there and we said, there's, so basically doc, there's no one on this planet that can help us. <laughs> he said, true. But that's where we continued to look to a God that had promised us. But I want to underline this. This wasn't a week. This wasn't a month. This was years. But we knew God had promised us. We knew God had given us promise. And we just had to keep getting up every morning, not being moved by what we saw, um, being broken by it, but not moved by it, and saying, God, we trust you in this, that your promise is more certain. And so we don't really want to go into much detail because that's kind of personal, except to say it got as bad as it could get. Is that good enough? Yeah. Anybody ready for some good news? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like I said, I thank God for the medical professionals that helped us. Um, the psychologist that we were working with, oh, just what a... You know, he wasn't a man of faith, and he told me that right from the beginning. And I told him I was a woman of faith, and I told him right that from the very beginning. And I thought, um, I'm probably the worst testimony of a woman of faith, because I was constantly in his office with, you know, snot and tears and crying, um, and he was encouraging me. But what happened was um, he convinced the psychiatrist that it wasn't the best in her best interests to go to the hospital, um, and I was grateful of that because I wanted her near me. I didn't want her far away because you don't get put in a hospital right around the corner from your house. Your hospital that you would get put in could be hours away. And so I didn't want that, a young, vulnerable girl away in a hospital where not... To near where we were living. So I just thank God that it worked out. We did not have to send her away. But then what happened was I just, I was hoping to see things change. We're doing everything we could do and still not seeing things change. And, you know, I had um, five kids, so the house was never quiet and I was very rarely alone. But this one day, everybody was out of the house and I was just going to get work done in the house. I thought, finally, I can fold the laundry, right? So I was started to fold the laundry. I was completely alone. I was in one of the girls' rooms. Um, and I just, just the quietness around me really just 
caught my attention because nothing was ever quiet in our house. And all of a sudden, I just felt overwhelmed, just completely overwhelmed by everything, just by what I'd been going through, what I'd been watching her go through, um, the hopelessness that was so heavy. I felt oppression on me like as if it was, you could have a bag of rocks, big heavy boulders, just on my spirit. That's how I felt. So hopeless. I felt like I couldn't break out of this. I, there was just this raw brokenness inside that I thought, this is hopeless. But I was alone this one day, and I fell on my knees. In, I remember at the time we had this horrible shaggy brown carpet in the room, and it was so thick with, with but my face was in it. <laughs> And I was weeping and crying. And I, I had one thing that I just kept saying. And I kept saying it. It was the only thing I could bring myself to say. There was, I had no eloquent prayers, no, no great scriptures. All I could say with my face in this smelly brown carpet was, God, only you could do this. Only you can do this. Only you can do this. I must have said it. A, a thousand times. I don't know. I just kept saying it, but I, and it was coming out of me, and I just started just saying it in the loudest voice I could. Nobody was home. Maybe my neighbor heard me. I don't know. They think I'm a little weird anyway, because I think they hear me praying through the wall all the time, but they, they were just like, what's she doing? But I was, it was coming from the place wherever this oppression was inside me, this brokenness, and I was screaming out, only you, God, only you, God, and I I could tell you this is what it sound, felt like to me. I felt like a little child who was crawling up onto my dad's lap, getting close up, wanting something so bad. But you know when parents are maybe talking or having a chat with somebody, but that child wants that, you know, I don't know, mint in the bottom of your bag or whatever. <laughs> and they cl I was climbed up. I felt like I climbed up onto the lap of God and right into, and where, where this child takes the face of the parent and looks right nose to nose in the face and says, only you can do this. And I was convinced only God could do it. And I must have said, and, and then I began to pray. And I prayed about three very specific things. They were so specific. I, I won't tell you them all, but I'll tell you one of them. One of the things I prayed was, God, she's going to miss the calling that you have for her in her life. And I always felt she had a calling on her life. And I feel like that's being robbed from her. She, she can't even go out of the house. She doesn't worship and pray. She doesn't use her guitar anymore. She's so gifted and she's not able to do that, God. And I, that was one of the things. Anyway, I just felt like I'd said everything that needed saying and I just felt empty. But I still felt heavy. That I don't know, it was the next couple of days I went to church. I got to church, and I've told this testimony before. I walked in, um, and this woman who I really didn't know, and who didn't, because we were keeping this on a down low, because I was protecting my child. You know, I didn't want everyone to know all the things she was going through. I, th I, I believe as a parent, you'd fully understand that. I was just trying to protect her so people wouldn't be like, oh, she's weird. On that, our elders and the leaders yeah. knew. We yeah. weren't locked away in a room. They saw me cry my eyes out. They saw yeah. me shout and declare. Our mm. uh, leaders, Stuart and all the team, were right at Wayne, and they were right alongside us, so we weren't isolated. Mm. We were just protecting yeah. Gabby because we knew when the miracle came, we didn't want people to know her by this, yeah. but to know her by what God had done. And yeah. Gina was reaching her conclusion. At the same time, I remember being upstairs, and I came out of the doctors, and I said all right, so there's no keys in this world that can help me. Let me go find the keys of the kingdom. 
So Gina's downstairs, I'm upstairs, I go into a week fast and I said, God, let me find the keys to turn this around. And this was the moment things began to turn. Oh, uh, share about that letter. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I came to church. I honestly felt like the lowest I had ever felt. Like I was kind of hoping to get from the back hallway of the hallway to the church with nobody saying anything to me because I thought if anyone even looks at me and says, hey, how are you? I'm not going to be, I'm going to just be like, ah! <laughs> you know, and I'm going to be like, they're not going to understand what, what's happening. So I just wanted to get in quick. But one lady who I did not know at the time and who didn't really know me at the time approached me. She's here today. She's a blessing. And um, she came up to me and said, you know, you've been on my mind a lot. And that your daughter, I don't even think she knew my daughter's name. She said, every time I pray, I just see your face and I see you. She said, so I, I'm praying for you. And I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Then she reached in her bag or her pocket and gave me a note and said, oh, this is from God. And because I didn't know this lady, I just thought, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, that's nice. Um, and, and I took the note and I stuffed it in my pocket and I said, thank you so much you know, <laughs> and I forgot about it, and I came to church, we had church, then we all went into the Javalicious Hall, you know, same old, I thought, this is, you know, this is my life, just same old, so I'm going to be, I feel oppressed still, worship and praise didn't seem to do it for me, I'm sitting in there, and I thought, oh, that letter, took it out, I, I honestly, this is terrible, I just, just opened this thing, just thinking, oh, it's going to just be some little cute, you know, you know, God loves you, open this thing up, and it was like a letter to Gabby from God, and it, it said everything. It just talked about everything that I prayed inside, in, in alone in that room, answered my three questions perfectly. It said, um, I have this letter at home as well, and I used to keep it in the back of my phone because I just was so awestruck by it. It said, and she will not miss the calling that she has upon her life. I was just awestruck. And, and this, I used this weird, God had given me this really unusual scripture. To, you know, it wasn't, you know, and I am the God that healeth thee. No, it wasn't that. I had been speaking this particular scripture over her life. Every time I prayed, every time I woke up, every time I went to bed, I spoke this scripture. It's from Isaiah 45.3. It's not your common scripture, but it's this. It says, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and, out through, and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. And I used to say this all the time, and I would get such comfort just seeing God cut those iron bars over her life. And, and she, the, the woman ended the, this whole note with that scripture. I was just blown away. And honestly, I thought there is no way on this good earth that she would ever know any of that. No one knew the scriptures I was praying over her. No one knew those questions I came to God with and said, I'm concerned about this. No one knew those things. But God heard everything. He heard everything. And he, he answered me. And this is the miracle. This is for me when everything changed. When God healed me. 
on the inside, that broken heaviness, that oppression. The moment I read that, I honestly, I had tears streaming from my face, not sad tears. I couldn't stop it. They were just coming out for about a month. <laughs> and I was just felt joy and peace and happiness, not worried, nothing changed. She was exactly the same, but I was different. And I said, God, you've done something. I believe you've, you've done it. I, I'm not worried. And I remember she said, why? She said, you know, you're crying all the time. I said, I know, I'm so happy. I said, because you're not gonna be this way anymore. You're gonna be free. And I can't not think anything else. I don't have to even try. I know it. At that point, it was like the game changed. And yes. it went from hopelessness to hope. I remember saying, God, I just need to find one person that's beaten this. That We were away ministering in America, and I met a family, and their daughter had the identical attack on her life. And the daughter stood there and said to me, I had that, now I'm free. And when I saw her, I said, God, I've sinned one. If you do it for one, you'll do it for anyone. Yeah. And that's when my hope yeah. lifted. And it was almost like the Rocky music started then. And we yeah. went, no, no, this is now time where we see God turn this and, around. And I just began from that point, like I said, nothing changed for, for a while after that, a couple of weeks. But then, little by little, little things started happening. She was able to do little bits of, of work that was very concentrated and things I, I'd known she hadn't done in a long time. I'd hear a song playing from her room on the guitar, and I thought, it's happening. It's happening. It's slow, but it's steady. And, and, and I went back to the psychologist and weeks later, and he said, how is this happening? How is she getting better? I said, well, I'm doing what you told me to do. I said, but I'm praying. I said, I'm praying. And he said, well, he said, I need you to write something up so that, you know, I can encourage other parents with this because this is amazing. And I said, it is amazing. God's doing it. <laughs> and he was, he was so moved by that. So God brought it to the point where Gabby was completely set free from that. <laughs> um, but to the point that she went from needing 24-hour care to getting on a plane and going over to America. Um, I can remember, for me, I remember when I stopped hearing worship come from her room. And that's where everything went really bad. But I can remember the day I was sitting in the living room. And all of a sudden, I heard a sound. And there was no sound sweeter in my life than this. I suddenly heard someone that hadn't been playing or worshipping for two years out of that room. Suddenly, I heard... I'm no longer, no, your love is running after, running after me. And she'd put the guitar up and she began to worship. And it was like, I said, the devil don't stand a chance now. He doesn't stand a chance. And so God completely healed. And again, we're leaving out certain details. That are just, we just want to protect you, Gab, with that. But talk about how that miracle went. But then we sent her over to America and uh, she went to worship school, but she still had this deathly um, allergy to sesame. And, and other things. And to other things. other things. Gabby, over to you. What happened? Okay, so I actually, I just finished um, college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life because I still felt like very stuck because there were still things like I couldn't, I wasn't able to do, do it and like just things like that and that things like I felt like like I, like, I was all good, but it's like, I was just like, wow, like, that's just like, it's just a big thing, and like, I just have to, like, that's just gonna forever, and I was just like, it was just like, always like a somber kind of thing, and I was like, oh, and so then I was 
going, I was about to go to um, midwifery school in uh, Surrey because like I was doing great in school and like I got accepted and like people don't get accepted and I was just like, but there was something in me that wasn't like, I was just like not complete and I was like, I don't know. Like I like, my parents have been praying and reading but like I have never like, literally that was all because of them like I was like I was not even doing any I was doing the least to be honest like because I was just I couldn't do it for myself I didn't know what to do so I got to that place where I was like well I have a relationship with Jesus and like I know he can do anything and I know that there's like all my life I had like words and things spoken to me about like my future and about what I was called to do and I was like I don't actually ever see how that's even going to be possible to be honest like that's that's just not going to be possible like it's nice to hear obviously it's like yeah but like I was just like yeah and so but people would like been speaking to me and so I was like so how do I get from here to there so I was just alone and I just felt in me like I had to go away like I have to go away like somewhere away from what I'm used to away from and like somewhere full of like faith and just somewhere. So like the first thought was obviously the ramp because I know Ethan and Livy went there and the things that happened in their life. And I was like, and just things I've heard from there and all that. And I was like, no, I need to go. I need to go there and I'll focus on worship. I'll do worship. But um, it was just like so weird because I didn't even like, I hated traveling. Like it scared me so much. Like it made me so anxious. And, but when I thought of that, I wasn't scared. I was like, I had peace. And I was like, that's weird. Like that I would have, even up to the day before I was leaving, I was like, that's so weird that like, like I'm scared to go anywhere. And even where I was, I was scared to do things, but I was not scared to go and do that. And I was like, I just had like a weird peace. And I was like, I'm just going to go with it, I guess. And I just like gave it all to God. And I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even know what to do. And so I just got on that plane and then I went all the way there and I got there and I was like, what did I just do actually? I was like, I'm away from like everything. Like, and then in that moment, I just said to myself, like, I have to trust God. There's nothing else I can do. Like, that is my only option. Like, I understand why I had to do it because I had to get into a place of, I had to trust God. It had to be me. I had no other choice. And that, what this whole, if I could sum up the whole year, it would be trusting God just like completely with my life. Like, there was no other thing. There was no other choice. I had no other choice. That was my only choice. And so I got there, and obviously, it's very, if you've been to the ramp or you've seen the ramp, it's very faith-filled, very, like, people would say over the top, but, like, it's getting things done, isn't it? Like, but, <laughs> um, so I was there, and even from, like, the moment I got there, um, I, I just had, like, confirmations and people, like, giving me words, and even when I first got there, like, I already felt like, like, oh, maybe my calling was gone. Like, maybe, like, I've been through too much. Like, too much has happened. Like, I don't know. And, like, on one of the first days, like, I was just standing there, and this girl comes up to me, and she goes, um, she goes, I was meant to tell you this yesterday, but I was really scared because I've never met you in my entire life, and I don't know anything about you. But she comes up to me, and she says, um, I just want you to know that um, you have a Davidic anointing, and, you, and it's still on you, and it's not left you. You still have a calling. And I was like... And that's what I've been told earlier in my life is the exact same thing, like to a T. Like, and I was like, okay, that's good. That's good to know. And then, um, but I was just honest with God. And I was like, I can't do anything if I'm, if I'm not healed. Like, I can't do it. I can't do anything. Like, I'm not strong enough. And um, so one thing the ramp is big on is obviously the word of God. Like, that's his promise. That's what he sends to us. And one of the biggest things that revealed to me is that everything that's in his word is everything that you can have. It's not everything that's in there. He's just waiting for you to claim it. He just wants you to claim it. And if you claim it, it's yours. It's, that's it. 
it's done. And so um, I got out a big notepad and I wrote down every verse to do with what I needed to do and, and like verses that spoke to me, obviously mainly about like fear, healing, that kind of stuff. And every day I would wake up and I would be like, I would say those verses and I said, and I would say, I'm not gonna be afraid. And I said, I don't care what happens today. I was like, I don't care, I trust God, I'm healed, because he says I'm healed, and I'm living in it, there's no other thing. And I didn't care how much fear I felt. And because I'd grown up in an atmosphere of just fear, like in me, like I never really had peace in me, it was a fight, like it was an inward fight. Like I was like, no, I choose, even if I felt it, I was like, this isn't the truth. I know the truth, Jesus said it, and that's it, and I have to live in it. Because it got to such an extreme point, I was like, I can't live like this anymore, I can't do this anymore. Like I wanna be free, because he says I'm free. I've heard it before, I've seen it before, and it's mine. And it was me taking, it was like kind of like, you know when you're on a race and you take like the baton kind of thing? Like they kind of got me to that point where I could then take the baton and I had to run, I had to do the rest kind of thing. And so it was one day, like, um, it was one day, and um, they were doing communion, and I remember someone similar had got healed in communion, and so I was taking it seriously that day, and actually, I hadn't taken communion for years and years and years and years because I was scared to eat the, the, the bread because, like, of personal things, but um, I was terrified, and I was, like, just standing there, and I was just going to participate with my mind, just like, be like, yeah, done, I did it. But then I felt like God say to me, like deep in me, he said, like the woman with the issue of blood, he said to me, like, how bad do you want this? Like it was the faith step, again, the faith step of going from here to America to begin with is like, and then I heard him in me say like, you're all words, you're all words. Like my whole life I've been like words, like I'd be praying like, you said this, da, da. but he said like, how bad do you want it? And how bad do you like want to believe me? How bad do you want to trust me? And so that day, I'd never done it. I took the, uh, I'd, it'd already been hand, handed out. And I was like, and weirdly enough, they just missed me. They didn't give me anything, but everyone else got stuff. But like, it wasn't even like I told them to, like they just missed me. They didn't give me anything. And it was, uh, I heard like, you have to step out and you have to grab it. You have to do it. And it was weird because everyone else had gotten it. Everyone else, and that was like, what was weird to me. I was like, everyone else here has been given it. Like they went into the crowd and handed it to every single person except me. And I was like, and then that's when I heard it in me, like, I could either avoid this, uh, like I've done my whole life, or I could just trust God and go for it. And so I did it, and in that moment, I, it's just with everything inside of me, I said, I know you have healed me. I thank you for your body that was broken for me. I thank you for your blood. And just with everything in me, my, my whole focus, everything I am, I was like, I can't wait an, a day more. I can't wait a single day more. I can't do this anymore. And just with everything in me, I was like, I don't care what the results are. I don't care if anything happens. I don't believe it because you said I'm healed. And I just took it. And from that day, I just said, I'm going to eat everything. So my, just from then, I've just been eating everything, just absolutely everything. And I, was just like, <laughs> and I was just like, it was just that focus, that faith and focus in me. Where I was like, I don't even care if something happens because I'm not going to believe it because that's not the truth. Um, you've healed me and that's the truth and I'm going to live in it because it's mine and I'm going to live in it. And it's been like, obviously, like I'm still like, I've grew up in fear my whole life. So every day it's say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And just living in what he's done for me. Um, but even like, you know, there were, there were hard days after that just because of like the way my mind was for all those years, just like clearing out like the garbage and all that kind of stuff. And there was one day where I was just like, there was a particular verse, and it was um, from Psalms, and it was, I'm just trying to remember the whole verse, but there was one particular part, and it said, um, 
the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And every day I would, um, I can't remember, the exact, I think it's Psalm 16. Every day I would say that exact verse, just, I would say it because I'm living it, I'm healed, I'm living in it. And, you know, like when it was hard and I felt like fear creep in and stuff like that, I would say to myself, I would say, um, well, I would say particular verses, I would say, with long life you'll satisfy me and show me what you've done. And I will not die, no, I will not die, but I will live and tell of every one of what you've done for me. And, um... Um, with long life you satisfy me and you show me your salvation every single day. And then I would also say the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And there was one day in worship when they were like, okay guys, like, I want you to give a word to someone next to you. Like, I want everyone to encourage each other. Like, I want you to just listen for a minute, tell someone a word for you. And because um, they're, they're training us in ministry, like to hear and to do and to be in our calling. So we were just all standing there. I didn't particularly hear anything. I was kind of having like, I don't know, like it was just like a, a harder day for me and this girl turns around I don't know her again I met her like twice and she goes oh she goes I got a word for you and I was like oh and she goes I don't know why but I just see this fence and I see just grass on the other side of the fence just lovely and you're running and I hear him say to me that the boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places I never told anyone this I didn't speak on it and it was just like confirmation and it was just like it was just like how he's like, because it, it's just something that was so deeply ingrained. It's just like a constant, just trusting every, and some days I felt just the worst, but I said, you've healed me and I trust you and I'm just going to live today. And there's fear, there's things, it's all going to come, it's going to talk to you, it's going to, but I had to make a, I had to make a decision in me that I wasn't going to listen to that and that I was gonna to listen to what God says and live in what God says because I can wait a day more. I knew the calling on my life. I knew that what I had to go through, again, wasn't just for me, but for other people. And people might be angry at like, cause I could be angry that none of my, like to me, none of my siblings had to go through something as like, well, I felt like I was cut off. I felt like I've been robbed of everything. I didn't really get to live a teenage life. I didn't get to be rebellious. I didn't get to do all that stuff, which obviously, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you get teenage, like I can like, do what I want. I can be like cheeky. I can like, but I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to do any of that. Um, and people can be angry, I guess. But to me, it came to a place of no, my life was for something more than me. And I, if I had to go through that and overcome all of that stuff and be the one to go through it that others can and I can help others and then it was worth it because I trust you, God, and I know that you wouldn't do something to me, you wouldn't allow something to me that wasn't for good. So it was just as well coming to a place of everything that happened in the past, everything I had to go through, I know that even though I felt robbed that it was for something greater than myself and um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, breakthrough is a promise, but sometimes it's a journey. And we want to say to you, if you're believing God for something, don't give up. When the voices around you that speak of natural things can't give you what you need, there's a higher voice. What we're not saying is ignore doctors. What we're not saying is don't make the opportunities that are available when it comes to mental health conditions. What we are saying is when you hit a dead end and there's nowhere left to go, look up. Because there's a God who breaks through. I can remember we got the phone call and uh, I'm happy. Remember, tell them quick. I know time's gone, but quickly, the phone call. I told Gabby, I said, um, when God, when you eat the things 
that I've been protecting you from since you're three years old. Don't tell me till the next day, okay? <laughs> I said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, so she called me the next day after she'd eaten this particular food that Honestly, she hadn't, this wasn't a natural growing out of allergies because only two years before we spoke to an allergist and they said she will have this forever. So she has to live with this. Um, and I went, okay. Um, and then when we got in the car, I said, you don't have to live with this forever. God will do something. <laughs> um, so she called me the next day after she'd eaten this thing that would have killed her. And she said, I ate it and I'm healed. And I was quiet and I said, wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. Are you sure? <laughs> hey, um, I'd like Gabby. I know time's gone. Is it okay if Gabby sings your song? Um, do you want to just get ready, Gabby? Um, God does miracles. We've got a certificate at home saying that she can't be free from OCD, and she is, to the glory of God. We've got a certificate at home that says she can never eat a sesame seed. The first thing she ate the next day after the Lord spoke to her was an everything bagel. If you've never had one of those, it's basically a bagel covered in sesame seeds. And she said, I sat there at every bit of it. We want to say to you, breakthrough is real. God's promises are real. Walking with sense is real. Involving people that can help you is real. But maybe... You've got a situation and you like, God, I need breakthrough. We want to say, pastors aren't exempt, we've been there too. It wasn't a quick journey, but we saw God step in. And when he did, everything began to turn in his direction. Not overnight, over the course of months. It seems for years it was going that way. To the degree that I looked at Gabby one day sitting in my house and I said, I don't know her anymore. And that broke my heart because that's my girl. But then she got off a plane Friday morning and I saw her come through customs and I said, there she is. God does miracles. Now I'm believing. You know, she's going in for a second year at worship uh, school in Alabama. Hey, if you want to support her, feel free to talk to her afterwards. I know she'd love me to give that pitch. I know we support loads of different uh, ministries and schools. But if you want to support her in a second year, talk to her afterwards. But I asked her to sing this song to say to you if you're going through something, relational, health, hold on, hold on. I know it's all you got to just be strong And it's a fight just to keep it together, together I know you think that you are too far gone But hope is never lost Hope is never lost Hey, hold on, don't let go. Hey, hold on, don't let go. Just take one step closer. Put one foot in front of the other. You'll get through this. Just follow the light. 
light in the darkness You're gonna be okay I know your heart is heavy from those nights But just remember that you are a fighter A fighter you never know just what tomorrow holds You're stronger than you know You're stronger than you know Hey, hold on, don't let go Hey, hold on, don't let go Just take one step closer Put one foot in front of the other You'll get through this Just follow the light in the darkness One step closer Put one foot in front of the other You'll get through this Just follow the light in the darkness you're gonna be okay when the night is closing in don't give up and don't give in this won't last it's not the end it's not the end you're gonna be okay when the night is closing in don't give up and don't give in this won't last it's not the end it's not the end you're gonna be okay Amen. we serve a god of miracles we serve a god of breakthrough father we pray right now for any person or family that's going through attacks on the mind and the attacks on the emotions. Father, we pray whether it's OCD or whether it's ADHD or any other thing that attacks, attacks the mental and the emotional capacity of your people. We say, Jesus, thank you. You carried that on the cross. Father, we speak miracles. We speak breakthrough. We speak lies that are sent to imprison are broken. We say that lies that are sent to, to kill are broken off of people's lives. Father, you heal bodies, you heal minds, you heal emotions. And Father, we thank you that come what may, we all stand one day before you fully whole, fully healed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not going to give an appeal now. I'm going to ask you if you would go to the back afterwards and speak to the team. And there's a team there that would lead you to pray a prayer of salvation and give your life to Christ. I'm just conscious that time's gone. But we want to continue to have conversations about mental health and emotional health. We don't want to ignore it because it's something that affects a lot of people and a lot of families. And we never want you to feel that that's a taboo subject. But we believe God heals the body. He heals the mind. God heals full stop. 
Hey, would you show your appreciation to Gabby? She's a, she did good, eh? She did good. Well, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you great peace. In Jesus' name, amen.